hello and welcome to the Betsy Betsy Boss Boss Podcast. Podcast. Welcome back. It's our third full-length episode and I hope you're ready to get crazy because today we are talking about hysteria. We're about to get hysterical over here. Woo! Careful. Um, Yeah, it's a really exciting topic. We are pumped to talk about it. We found so much different information about hysteria kind of what it meant back in the day, what it means now, um, why it was diagnosed primarily, aka only. I was going to say in kind of the the social and uh, structural, like social structure ramifications of that as well with women and particularly, you know, white women, there's a whole racial element in there as well. It's very interesting. But uh, before we want to dig into our topic, we wanted to touch on a new show that we've been watching that we've been really into lately. Yeah. As you know, obviously, the last uh, episode, I think it was the last one, right, that we were talking about Ted Bundy. And that's obviously a passion of mine, this whole true crime genre and everything. Um, And this one definitely falls in that, too. But I think it's a little bit more interesting, a little more. It doesn't exactly fit the rubric of a traditional true crime. Yeah, it's been definitely talked about amongst people that are um, into true crime, not into the whole true crime type of deal. Um, it's very much based in the opioid epidemic and something I didn't know a lot about growing up in the 90s. No, not at all. And I think we were just young enough that we sort of missed that whole thing. Yeah. But it was huge. It was a huge, huge Yeah. Um, and essentially the plot of this show is that um, there is a pharmacist who works in you know, a suburb of New Orleans, Louisiana, um, near this Ninth Ward area, which is oh. a really troubled area, um, full of drug dealing, and um, it's very racially divided, and there's a lot of um, sort of underpinnings in that regard. Um, but this Ninth Ward is sort of right next to this St. Bernard area, which is right. a bit more affluent, a bit more um, upscale, but it's really just right next to each other. It reminded me a lot of Philly, actually. I was just going to say, I mean, you see that across so many types of big cities and suburban areas where it's like you have pockets and neighborhoods that are just so divided by this one, you know, line, this couple blocks, couple streets, whatever. And I think this is very much in that same vein where it's like you have the affluent area and then the area where it's like nobody goes into that. That's drug ridden. But and they're only a couple blocks apart. Um, but in any event, this uh, pharmacist has a son who becomes involved in drugs, and um, he becomes a user, and he goes into this Ninth Ward area late one night, and he's um, the victim of a drug-related murder. Um, and basically, the pharmacist, the subject of the show, drug addiction as his son well and i think it was it was partially too because like seeing his mom the the pharmacist his wife and the sister of of the victim um they just were like they had no idea he was like oh i'm going out you know wherever which meanwhile like anywhere at night i don't know maybe it's it's us growing up nowadays how we do but like going out at that hour if i were still living at home like my parents would be concerned like where are you going? I need to know why are you going out this oh, late? Yeah. And, and you know, good happens after a certain yeah, hour, no matter where you are. But it's it's nothing to blame, you know, 
the victim, nothing to blame the parents or whatever, because it was just a different time. And it was right at the peak of, or right at the beginning, really, of this drug epidemic. And just to see his parents and his family's reaction to learning that he had been killed. And when they, I think it was, I don't remember if they got a call or the police officer showed up and they were just like, no, like you need to take me to his car. Like they could not believe that their son would be involved with anything like that. And then, yeah. And just to see that like, no, 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 this whole epidemic and again, at the very beginning, affects people across race, across socioeconomic areas. Like, it just covers everyone, and everyone is affected. And I think that really affected the pharmacist himself um, and is the reason he kind of took that on as his own personal crusade. Yeah, and essentially, I mean, as he starts getting deeper into his own personal investigation, which he took on himself because, like we said, he really... Um, kind of shouldered the pain of these different victims and their families and um, and saw his son kind of like you said in each of them like yeah yeah he really empathized with them specifically um, because of his own personal experience he gets deeper into this investigation and he basically figures out that this one doctor is yeah um, holding a essentially a drug shop what I do mean, they call it the pill mill or the pill mill they yeah. were um were like it was like a drive-through i mean yeah it was open at all hours um it was a female doctor which is a shame you know she's but she was essentially just peddling these pills and keeping these people hooked and running this insane business yep she was not even examining the patients she would see like a huge number of patients every single day and you know other doctors and were she would at that and, like, she would kind of like start them. them on like the higher doses too it wasn't right. like I remember the one that kind of set him over the edge was um, a young, I want to say she was like 14 years old, brought in by her mother and was prescribed like the second highest level that you could be. Um, I forget what they called it. It was like the, yeah, but they also had like the triad where it was like Oxycontin, um, Xanax, something something else. else. Yeah. But she came in and like he looked at her, he saw her weight and he was like, if I prescribe this, if I filled this, this is going to kill this child. Like, there's no way that the the amount of pain that anyone could be in, that if she were this weight, this age, whatever, like, it would kill someone. They would not need this prescription. Yeah, and it's amazing just the addicting power of these drugs. That's the scariest part, yeah. Yeah, I mean, each of the different, you know, drug addicts were kind of, interviewed as part of this documentary and um they would just talk about the sensation that taking oxy would cause and um how incredible it made you feel and these people were just sitting ducks i mean it was really really sad um and obviously when you have a medical professional um saying that you need a certain type of drug and prescribing it to you you trust that person and you think that it's a legitimate diagnosis the drugs are legitimate why would why would it hurt me? You know, it's a medical professional who. Yeah, that's always been the this. myth that, like, oh, it's prescribed. Like, it's healthy. It's fine. Yeah. And it's just, unfortunately, you have somebody like this um, female doctor at this pill mill where they infiltrate the system and they have their own agenda and they don't really care about the well being of their no. patients. Um, and, you know, they just 
kind of are doing whatever it takes to it's all about the money yeah it's all about the money all about the bottom line and I don't know I'm not fully through the series I don't know if you are no no yeah I have I want to say like two more episodes left but I well I thought for me I love the true crime aspect and so I was like oh I'll probably get through like the first two episodes learning about what actually happened with his son because no spoilers here there were some twists even after like the first episode with what happened with his son's death um, and I was like, oh, I'll probably get through that and just be kind of like, all right, you know, I kind of know the whole story of like moms at home being addicted to painkillers and blah, blah, right. blah in the 90s and whatever. But no, I definitely it is a very interesting story. And oh, my God, the pharmacist himself is just such a oh, a, a, a compelling character. character. Yeah. 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 Like, I don't know. Aside from the accent, which did take us both a, <laughs> a second to, to point, to pinpoint, because I, I was like, wait a second, where is he from? I, certain words sound like Canadian, certain words sound like he's from New York, yeah. and then you do hear the Southern dialect yeah, in there, yeah. too, and so, I don't know, but... It's fascinating. Yeah, oh it's definitely a unique area of the United States, but his story and his wife and his daughter and just seeing the whole family, the home videos and all that stuff. It just like, it really tugs. Oh my God. It just, well, it makes his son a person. It's just, it's not just another, you know, victim of this whole epidemic. It's a person that someone cared about and someone that his family is still trying to like fight for. Yeah. And reconcile. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's really uh, got us both hooked right away. Yeah. So to speak. I mean, yeah, I know. I know. No, no, no drugs required. Right. Like, exactly. Oh my God. Ne- Netflix and chill. No Netflix and pill. Right. <laughs> oh, Jesus, kill me. Uh. But um, in sort of the same vein of thinking about um, assigning a certain cure for a problem that doesn't necessarily exist, um, is our topic today, which yeah. um, totally follows that same rubric. Um, we're talking about an issue that was made up, um, a number of different symptoms were assigned to it, which we'll talk about all of those, and then cures were assigned to it that, you know, again, how can you cure a problem that isn't really there? Yeah, or you don't understand, like, but really, these ter- these uh, symptoms definitely, it, it ran the gamut, and it was so easy to just be like, oh, it's another patient with hysteria. So that is the topic we're talking about today, and I think we're going to start off going all the way back to the origin of this whole, even the term here. Yeah. Uh, to which is classic. Um, I don't know if anybody's a fan of my big fat Greek wedding, but oh, um, oh my God, that's a classic. <laughs> the entire movie, the father sort of says, "All right, well, give me a word, any word, <laughs> and I tell you how the root of that word is Greek." And in this case. Hysteria comes from the Greek word hysterica, which means uterus. And I can cure it with Windex. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, for exactly that reason, um, this term hysteria was created um, because of the uterus, because it was thought that um, the uterus was the cause of hysteria. Yeah, it was this the cause of this affliction that obviously only uh, was found in women. And the whole problem was that the uterus was like 
an animal and it was an organ that could essentially float throughout the body. Yep, and it just went for a little yeah, walk around. Yeah, it was just know? like, hey, I'm not like in the southern portion. We're going to go up north. And it just kind of floated about. And your symptoms of hysteria were based on where your uterus decided to float that day. Right. So they thought it would sort of bop around throughout the body and wreak havoc on whatever <laughs> area it went to, which makes tons of sense. I oh, think. yeah. Um, I mean, come on. They called it, I think, like an animal in an animal or a life right. in life, something like that. Um, and this uterus would just basically fuck around with different organs in your body. And, you know, they thought that because this uterus got poisoned by these venomous humors, um, it oh, would they just... were all about these humors and oh, these fluids humors. and all this stuff. My gosh. Um, but basically because of these issues, you know, your uterus was unhappy or it was a little bit of a troublemaker and it would go around causing all these problems for you. So um, I think the first person that I saw was Melampus. Um, and apparently, you know, there was a city called Argo. And there were not Ergo. Urges, not Ergo. <laughs> um, but this city of Argo was, I guess, packed with virgins. And they were not too keen on the young men of the neighborhood. They really um, <laughs> the didn't want to bone the men of the neighborhood. They were not into it. So they fled the young men of the village to the mountains. They ran away. And this Melampus character, genius that he was, took this behavior as madness, right? Because obviously if a woman doesn't want to sleep with a Oh, man, my God. She's insane. She must be nuts. So All 100 of them or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> so his prescription, his antidote for the problem, was to hook up with these young, strong men. And he also threw some herbs at them. He was like, yeah. these herbs, you know. Was he one of the smellers where it was, was like, the draw the smell, the good smells up to the nose and the bad, or no, the, oh, the bad smells that. up to the nose. Yeah. So <laughs> essentially <laughs> these virgins banged the young men of the village, these young hot men, and they were healed magically. Wow. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of thought, okay, well, um, this, uh, melancholic uterus must be caused by lack of orgasm and lack of sex. right but let's talk about the smelling stuff because i think that's a funny thing yeah well that that was interesting too well that was a way to i guess lure the uterus back into position was <laughs> to um what was it it was get the the foul smelling stuff to your nose and good smelling stuff down south there was that correct or was it the opposite i think it depended on which way the uterus migrated like oh where, which true direction it went so if yeah it like hurricane katrina <laughs> is it gonna make landfall exactly. like <laughs> let's track this thing. yeah um but if it went down to your i guess leg because that's the only <laughs> thing that's below your vagina besides your butt <laughs> right. um so if your uterus was in your butthole you could Make coax it, it out. back up, coax it out by putting some nasty smells by the twat area, <laughs> and the uterus would say "pu" and go back to its right. Yeah. Head. And the same thing would happen if the uterus was like too a stink high bomb. Up. Like a stink bomb, you'd bomb it out, just smoke it out, yeah. and put the nasty smells by the woman's <laughs> nose and mouth. Um, and presumably the uterus would smell those smells and go back down south. They also put good smelling stuff where they wanted it to go well that's what i was thinking i thought it was uh, yeah that's i think i'm confusing it i thought it was like foul smelling towards your nose because yeah. it was like you don't want it up there exactly. so it was like divert it 
And then it was down by the vagina. It was like, oh, let's get all the sweet smell, like the good smelling stuff and lure it back down. The so original it was, Summer's Eve, honestly. Uh, oh, good my good God. I swear, pH imbalance before Ooh, you knew it. I tell you. Nowadays, I mean, you can have a vagina that smells like a field of daisies or oh. a uh, beautiful lemon lilac. Lavender, cucumber, any oh, scent you want. Oh, my God. Meanwhile, like. Vagina should probably not smell like any of those things. Yeah, but I mean, in the full honesty, it still smells bad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's the whole problem. (laughs) I am going to tell you a little bit about um, this guy, Galen, who thought that um, he had kind of a different theory than the roaming uterus. He thought that keeping the female seed in the womb was what was causing all these different symptoms, which, by the way, could range from anxiety to full-blown epilepsy. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> it, it was, again, that umbrella term of just like, well, she's a woman, she's... She's crazy. Yeah. For one reason or the other, and that's we're going to label that as hysteria. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of these philosophers and physicians sided with this guy, Galen. Um, they actually blamed the retention of this menstrual blood and other fluid in the body, in the uterus... Oh, yeah, it was like the buildup and they couldn't, it was like not not having the release that it should have had. Exactly. And they thought basically that this fluid would sit in the body and it would turn to poison if it was left inside for too long, of course. So there's modern day toxic shock syndrome. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Yeah, you might get hysteria. But anyway, though, the the whole blood buildup and expulsion. Their solution to all of this um, fluid remaining in the body and to that becoming poisonous was to drain the swamp. (laughs) <laughs> AKA drain that fluid from the uterus. Oh, man. And this guy thought that marriage was an awesome solution, kind of similar yep. to the Lampus guy, um, because it implied that there was going to be regular intercourse and release of fluids. So these people also thought that semen had healing powers, which, give me a break. I mean, come on. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Uh, yeah, uh, I think we've... healing anything. Mm. Oh, this guy, you know, even though he thought that the theories that the uterus was like an animal on the loose was Ugh. totally preposterous his theories weren't too smart either i mean yeah something with needing regular intercourse to stay sane i, I understand that as much as the next mm. person um but even back then like i'm sorry was it really doing what it was supposed to do like i saw that too that it was supposed to be like intercourse like get you know, in the in the high level, it was get married and have children would solve all your hysteria problems. Exactly. Like, come on. Oh, gosh. Ugh. All right. Well, I will tell you about the um, the fifteen eighteen Strasburg, not to be confused with Strasburg Railroad, um, France, the dancing plague or dancing epidemic. Now this sounds like a plague. <laughs> Well, this, uh, this, yeah. Dance floor. Oh, well, trust me. They built a dance floor because they thought it was the only cure. Get out yeah. of here. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. It, pretty much. Like the, that whole saying where it's like, I don't need a man. Girls, I just want to go out to the bar and dance. I you know what I mean? Dance. Yeah. I just want to dance. Um, yeah. So I was looking into some of these mass hysteria instances throughout history. And there's a couple more. I don't know if you saw these or not, but this was the one. Uh, one of the ones that was probably the earliest reported, it was during, it was in France, again, 1518, it was the dancing plague. 
and it was mostly women. It started where I guess some jolly, you know, I don't know, probably was like before the time or during the time of the jester where it was you had people playing the flute, the pan flute or like all that stuff in the streets and reciting poetry and dancing. Um, And you had someone that started just dancing and they were very, you know, jolly about it. And a bunch of women joined. Oh, well, it gets, yeah, literally inciting uh, a whole episode of mass hysteria. A bunch of women joined in and it apparently got so bad that these people (laughs) could not stop dancing. Like talk about a modern day flash mob. It was just like literally they couldn't stop dancing and they didn't know why their bodies kept going uh, the first guy that started it danced for six days apparently oh this sounds like thon well thon and then and then death of thon like they all <laughs> died after the fact most of them because they were like stop dancing and they couldn't they all died of like heart attacks and oh my god but so the and i'm not going to get it correct but the government or the the lords or whatever it was that were overseeing these people at the time thought that they consulted with uh, professionals and the only way that they said to solve it was to let these people get it out of their system. (laughs) So smart on them. They built like a stage and a whole area for them to dance and dance it out. Literally Thon style, probably, you know, the the medieval. Yeah. They just cut out medieval and just kept it going. Now, you know, now it's just Thon, but they built a stage, let these people just dance it out meanwhile they're like a bunch of them are like i can't stop dancing and then they just have a heart attack and die (laughs) like how sad could you imagine if it was like there's my dad in the middle of the street and you're like dad calm down like this is not good for your health and he's like i can't my feet just can't stop moving yeah Yeah. it's like dad you've been going for three days straight and then all of a sudden he drops dead of a heart attack or exhaustion or lack of you know hydration like what do they attribute this to does anybody know so nowadays i mean now that we have like modern medicine was it just the beats were too strong (laughs) yeah when the beat drops drops, (laughs) so do you (laughs) (laughs) okay so i don't know if you got into so i looked up these in modern day as well i don't know if you looked up to because it's actually a thing called conversion disorder and i actually it was so funny because when we were talking about doing this topic i've been thinking about it looking into it and then of course when i'm falling asleep and trying to not think about everything but of course everything that i have going on is coming to mind i remember several years ago seeing on classic inside edition this story about a bunch of teenagers preteens um and i looked it up actually it was 2012 it was in new york in the best year of my life oh well, not mine not theirs uh, <laughs> yeah i mean full recovery 90 percent by now i remember seeing this on inside edition classic um and it was a bunch of teens Ew. preteens yeah i mean not a great picture trying to do a whole op-ed here Pretty much what happened is it's called this oh geez, now I'm gonna what did I just say? Um conversion therapy. Conversion disorder. And pretty much what it is Conversion therapy. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was a oh that's a whole class. different Well, different speaking topic. of Freud. Oh, I know. We'll come to him later on. Yeah. Um, but pretty much it's called conversion disorder. And it's interesting because 
I was looking up why is it more prevalent among women because a that's the the conception and some of the medical um, research actually stands behind that and they've said that I'll get into what it actually is but why this modern day hysteria happens is that women are brought up and conditioned to kind of be like internalize things and not yeah not let these symptoms unlike certain people at work um, sort of run their course. Yeah. Their well, you know, I hold my my issues inside and you put do. on a happy face. And I love it. Frankly, you, you know, just push it down. You know what? I don't want to know about your past history and your child and no. all this stuff. I don't know what you know about mine. No, don't ask me. Um, but pretty much what it is, it's interesting because it very much happens a young, among young women um, right around that prepubescent or just around puberty stage and it's almost a suggestive type of um situation and this situation because it was 2012 and social media and everything is so prevalent one girl started ticking away and twitching away probably like me at the workplace (laughs) you know me squeaking and (laughs) squeaking and jeeping (laughs) um and so all of the sudden, these other girls, it's almost, it's very interesting. I don't know if you, like well, there's a factor in there, but I don't know if you know much, again, being my weird self, I know all about this like poltergeist type of stuff. Oh yeah. And it usually strikes young girls around puberty, prepubescent, because there's some type of, the theory is that there's some type of like energy with that whole thing going on and they're not necessarily controlling it, but that whole kind of energy is spawning the poltergeist activity. Oh, and like the, every person, I guess it gains power the more people right or, see it or and and buy into it, it or or validate it. And yeah, there's a whole you know interesting case <laughs> in England. Actually, there really is. Um, I forget what it's called, the Enfield Poltergeist. I think it is, and it's these two sisters that like they. Anyway, getting off track, but in the same vein, it often happens around girls during this time of their lives, and in this situation, it was girls in this area from all different popularity classes or whatever you want to say. You had the cheerleader. Cast system. Yeah. High school. Yeah, pretty much. Like, you had the cheerleader, you had the loner, all that stuff. And they started having these involuntary body movements and twitches and ticks essentially like you're saying like um as if they had Tourette's and right or epilepsy right and so and the media came started filming them and that actually spawned other people to develop these symptoms because they would see them and it creates this whole wave of microcosm of yeah of these people that develop these symptoms it's almost like a psychosomatic situation wow so I mean what gets the first person started so they know or it's just they think it's just essentially a weird time in your life. Weird time in your life and essentially I think some of it has to do and why hysteria is so much considered like a woman's issue, at least up until the eighties, fifties, whenever it was written out of the medical literature, was the fact that women were supposed to always present themselves as composed. Right. And when you're going through a really suppressed 
um, and difficult portion of your life, like in middle school, when everything's changing, your world, you hate your parents, you hate everything. Um, like even harder to push it down. Yeah. And then, so if you can't express it by talking, it essentially comes out in a physical symptom. Wow. Yeah. And then because you are surrounded by so many other people that are in similar, like the same state of life as you are, they can easily pick up those symptoms and and be influenced. Yeah. And it was crazy because the article I was reading, the, the, they brought in specialists and everything. Cause again, it was very recent. Um, and the doctor that treated the majority of these patients said he had an 80 to 90 percent um, treatment success rate. There were. What was the treatment? Just I, talking about it? Just kind of, yeah, working through it like normal um, therapy methods. There was one individual that actually had Tourette's and may have set the tone oh, no. for the rest of the group. So that one, <laughs> that was the sad part. So one of you actually <laughs> yeah. something. One of these things is not like the, the other. other. One of these things actually <laughs> has Tourette's. <laughs> the rest of you are fucking crazy. But yeah, but hey, this one has a diagnosable, <laughs> could be operated on. The rest of you just need to talk that shit through. Right. <laughs> well, out because yeah. you're scared of us, okay? Yeah. And kind of looking like you're making fun of Tourette's right yeah you got no it's Tourette's Tanya because it's all female but (laughs) yeah Tanya Harding not although we had Timmy Jean Lindsay last time Uh, oh true true could be a female name true yeah waiting to hear on what that's short for but yeah would you say Tamantha Tabeka Exactly. Uh, wow, that is so weird. And to have that happen in modern day, too. I mean. Well, and I, I, again, I remember seeing this, like, and it just all of a sudden came to me again, obviously, when I'm laying in bed trying to go to sleep and my brain won't turn off. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, I remember this story happening, like the same one. I don't know if you've ever seen this, <laughs> where the cheerleader that was dropped on her head and had these issues and she could only walk backwards. Oh. It's awful. Inside edition. Like, you... They really make I, I, premium content. Yeah. Like, sorry. Here we go. Major sidetrack here. But anyway, I do have two more... Bring it. Two more situations. mass hysteria? Mass hysteria. Oh and they're both related. Um, and it's kind of interesting because it relates to this modern day situation with these girls being affected in this, like, isolated um, situation. Um, there was another one in the 1960s in Tanzania where it was a laughing epidemic and which is terrifying. I don't know though, because it (laughs) shut down 14 schools and affected a thousand girls. That is creepy as shit though. (laughs) If you imagine like people just laughing. Could you, yeah. Could you imagine like going to school? You're in middle school. Again, it's like middle school, like 14 year old girls. Like you're in middle school and you're walking down the hallway to go to the bathroom and you're walking past classrooms and you just hear <laughs> like how oh, creepy. I mean, that's so a bad example. Oh my but. God. but so that one happened. And then there was another one that is even earlier on. So there were two instances in convents. One was the meowing nuns. No. Yes. Now you're just pulling my oh, it gets worse. So would you rather be. All right, I'll, I'll tell you the first, and then you can decide. So the first one was these nuns that, and again, it was the same type of situation where they 
were women that were forced into these convents many times by their families against their will. Ultimate suppression. Yeah, they were like, oh, you can't get married. Well, guess what? We can't support you. You're in the convent. And it, Great way to get free rent. Oh, but like literally you have to chastity, poverty, and whatever the other one was. <laughs> <laughs> Obedience. Poverty. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, Soliloquy. Oh, STD. 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 How about meow me? <laughs> <laughs> meow me. Give me that. <laughs> meow, 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 meow. <laughs> no, how about bite me? That's the next one. Um, oh, no. But so pretty much, yeah, the first one was a bunch of like meowing uh nuns and the way that they suppressed it was they brought in soldiers and the sub- the soldiers were like all right that's it we're gonna beat you if you don't stop and so then they all stopped but then there's another one that happened not that long afterwards where nuns started biting each other what? <laughs> and it was the same type of thing they brought in soldiers and were like all right if you don't stop we're gonna we're gonna beat you and then they were like, all right, okay, fine. I'll keep my rabies to myself. Wow, that was easy, huh? Yeah. Like, oh, but obviously can't, you know, employ those uh, tactics today. Oh, <laughs> like, my all God. right, you middle schoolers, you better stop, Fight you know, you know, twitching over here. We're going to beat you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. So oh sorry. Totally, gosh. totally, you know, took oh, over that. It. But, yeah, these were a couple instances that I saw that were – very crazy that's absolutely fascinating i just can't get over the fact and it's such a classic example of i guess peer pressure and just yeah proud mentality you know everybody gets swayed by this one person which in the one case <laughs> right oh, we're crying out loud well yeah and it's so like if you're door if you're in those impressionable years where you just want to fit in if fitting in means biting people or meowing you know kind of <laughs> do it <laughs> yeah don't care won't care yeah, absolutely. Yeah. well i mean now that we've talked about a bunch of the bigger um kind of episodes of mass hysteria do we want to talk about um some of the treatments of hysteria i think so because yeah this that what i kind of went into there is a lot of the history and there wasn't again aside from soldiers uh threatening to beat them um this was yeah this was this was before hysteria was really recognized as this whole before the whole uterus floating around uh uh, symptom and diagnosis was really accepted and starting to be treated. So yeah, I think going into the treatments would be... Well, so basically the one that went along with the fluid buildup theory um, where they thought that the fluid was building up, you know, the sexual fluid, and it was enveloping the heart and the surrounding areas. Right. They called it a morbid and moist exudation. Um, basically... This theory explained why these especially horny sexual females felt the way that they did. They just had a buildup of these crazy fluids and a need for release, right? Um, Doctors were obviously wrong about the impact of, like, the fluid itself and, you know, the fluid being poisonous, whatever, and causing these physical ailments. But they really weren't so off base when it came to thinking that extreme sexual desire was fueled by lack of just like regular orgasm and regular sexual right. contact um but what's crazy is so i'm thinking that if sex was the answer what about these unmarried women who were spinsters widows or even nuns like well we and they were very much the the um patients that were afflicted yep, by this absolutely yeah so what if you're just 
not able to orgasm through traditional sex, you know. And obviously at the time, I don't think many, you know, outrageous forms of sexual um, intercourse or uh, different, like, sex practices were really advocated at the time, especially when it came to, you know, leading to female pleasure. I don't yeah, think for really women, cared. yeah. Yeah, I mean, they just probably saw women as an object to derive sexual pleasure from for the man or to knock up with a child. Right, and which was the cure for her. Which obviously was the <laughs> cure. Um, but for these women, I mean, what were they to do? Right? right. If you aren't having sex or if you're not getting pleasure from sex, where is all this fluid going to go? How are you going to release oh. this fluid, this poisonous fluid, and feel better and, you know, get rid of your hysteria? Um, so one of the things that I saw that was extremely common oh God. was that midwives were actually employed yeah. to help these women by manually stimulating, a.k.a. fingering these women so that the fluid would be released and drained. Right. Um, but what was really funny is, you know, they hired these midwives to do this, but nobody ever thought hey, why not DIY this bitch? Right. Everybody was like, okay, well, this is a very legitimate um, treatment. They didn't view it as sexual at all. Self-treatment or, hello, masturbation. Oh, God, no. We don't do that. Upon, not recommended. Not even seen not as recommended. option. No. <laughs> it was highly, <laughs> highly discouraged. Yeah, like, fun. here's a funny one. It's like, gen- it's like advertising one of these, um, electricity is life. The oh. Pulver Matcher. Um, gentle. Vibrators? Yes, it's gentlemen. I have much pleasure in informing you that the young lady for whom I int- obtained the electric band after, su- after suffering most acutely from neurologia and hysteria for some eight or nine months is now completely cured. Oh I know. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, so, meanwhile, I found out that the, the uterine massage was invented by this Swedish army major. Did you hear about this guy? I did, Thor. yeah. His yeah. name was Thor, by the way. Well, hey. Um, and they basically Not all heroes wear capes, but <laughs> right. some are featured in movies. <laughs> this guy was definitely a hero. Yeah, that's what I mean. He invented fingering as a cure for all that ails you. Um, but this guy, Thor Brandy, um, Brand tea, something like that. <laughs> Brand. Um, he basically invented this uterine massage to treat um, prolapsed anuses or yeah. closures. Um, and he kind of just transferred it over, sort of like um, in our breast enhancement episode, how um, the one doctor oh yeah the testicle method. Although that did not go to, well. It did not go well. <laughs> um, but basically, they started using this method on women to treat hysteria, to right. treat uterus. Um, or nymphomania, believe it or not, which hey. is hysterical, because obviously, what's going to make a nympho happier also, than Also, like, women back, th- come on, like, that, that was probably just used for a woman that said, I know what sex is, like, oh, <laughs> literally, exactly. like. Well, and what's funny is, so, basically, <laughs> it's this highly clinical explanation of something that's totally overtly sexual, but they wanted to keep it super clinical, super Oh yeah you know, um, straight-faced about this whole thing. It's a medical procedure. Yeah, it was this medical procedure. And they would essentially do this internal massage until achievement of paroxysmal convulsions. Right, that's the term I was looking for. Um, But basically, this was an exhausting process for Oh, my God. Which, you know, clearly, it was a 
harder to uh, make as men. For a woman I was just going to say men, men today can sympathize. Know. Apparently, yeah, I'm sure they can sympathize. It's you know, but you should still take the time to. No, that's what I'm saying. Like they shouldn't <laughs> sympathize, but hey, they can. But what's funny is these doctors were exhausted from finger blasting these women. Their arms were exhausted. <laughs> Their forearms were very developed, and it led to the advent of stimulation devices, which is where we're sort of going to come around the bend here. Um, yeah, I, I, I learned that the – they didn't call it the vibrator, but it was something else. It was the fifth device to be um, – what do I want to say? Not electrified, but <laughs> developed to electric. run on electricity um, in the United States or in the world, essentially. So it was before the, the vacuum, before the all these other things. That was the fifth one in the whole world. It was well, the f- it was the fifth household appliance to become electrified. Did you see any photos or drawings of the original one? Oh, they are wild. scary. First of all, it looks like a refrigerator. Yeah, it, it's huge. Well, some of them are connected to like a little like bomb box where oh, you have absolutely. to like like it's yeah. got like a dynamite box, you know, that powers it that you're carrying around. Okay, here's what I thought was hilarious. The horse exercise at home. Oh, my Did God. you see that? No. Nope. Oh, this is hilarious. Where it was supposed to simulate um, riding a horse so women could, <laughs> like, you know, build up their – if you couldn't get out there on a real horse, you could learn to build up those skills. Oh, really? Is that all you're working on in the saddle there? <laughs> like <laughs> – Back in the saddle again. Yeah, oh, literally. Dear. like. Woman yeah she's she's loving it but those springs are getting a workout (laughs) (laughs) yeah here we go look i'm looking it was actually featured at the paris exposition in 1900 too oh my gosh meanwhile look at this creepy advertisement why do it in uh, why go to a doctor's office when you could do it in your own home what is going on in this why do it yourself what year was that that is 1910. Oh, my God. Keep the family Wild. well. Oh, my All right. God. Well, clearly they're all unwell because dad's <laughs> in the background unhappy. Why is the daughter in the mix? She's going to be unwell <laughs> for the rest of her life. She's having a good old time <laughs> in the middle there. Oh, God. It, yeah. it is just bad. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's ironic because, I mean, obviously this is a jump forward in time, but later in time, you know, there have been – many different devices that were sold and patented for one use and then were used by women to a la the the horse the horse exercise at home who doesn't love who doesn't love a good uh, yeah who needs to go to the devon horse show when (laughs) yeah when you can make your own horse show at home For centuries, galloping on horse. Oh, Jesus. Vigorous use of a rocking chair. What? I I didn't even read this. All right, here we go. For centuries, galloping on horseback, riding in carriages, or vigorous use of a rocking chair. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jesus. Someone's rocking the baby a little too hard. Right. That must be where the song Rockabye Baby over (laughs) when the bow falls. (laughs) Jesus. No wonder. (laughs) Oh, and down will come, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Here's someone in Philadelphia. Oh, my gosh. It is called. What is it called? 
Magno Pat Magno Patnik. Not so far off from the Magnum Thrombus. Mm-hmm. Well, he is an electric physician, so. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good sign. Um, see, I think so much of this were they were symptoms of depression. Oh, completely. Anxiety. Some of it probably. Um, Loneliness, loneliness, and also postpartum depression. Yes, totally. Um, and it's just like, here's here's one. Doctor E. G. Williams attended a woman who was taken sick and arrested for drunkenness. Her case was simply hysteria. What were you thinking? And under his treatment, she soon recovered and was able to proceed on her journey. What oh. journey was that? I don't know. Oh my gosh, the journey to nowhere. <laughs> yeah, the journey off. That's the first time journey was used. As yeah, a, and not uh, a literal. Well, and not a small town girl <laughs> living in a lonely. Isn't that journey? Absolutely. I think. Don't stop believing. I think it yeah, is journey. Yeah, it's that journey. Yeah. <laughs> she was a small town girl living in a hysterical world. Um, <laughs> she got drunk one night to take her anywhere. <laughs> All right. salt which <laughs> yeah. me the fuck up i mean so these women are harkening back to literally grecian times like ancient greece where you know the smell theory was going on and they wanted smells bad smells near their vagina to um propel the uterus for upward um into its proper location women were suffering from this so much it was like the number one ailment right you could suffer from and to keep it from happening the women would carry around these little smelling salts. Ooh. And what was really funny is, you know, women would, quote, unquote, swoon, right? And oh, the classic. Yeah, they'd be, like, fainting dead away, whatever. Right. Nobody thought for a second that it was the crazy tight corsets. corsets. Yeah. That were making them pass. Strangling your organs. Right. <laughs> like, I just did. I'm short. Like, I'm out of breath walking up the stairs in, you know, sweatpants. Oh, I can't absolutely. imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine doing it in a yeah. corset with a right. giant hoop skirt. Ugh. Oh, my God. In but, the dead of the summer. Yeah, but of course, when they fainted, it was because, you know, they were women. Who For were the frailer them. sex. Come oh, on. Oh, yeah. Just swooning away. Mm-hmm. Attractive men walking by. Oh, my God. Can't oh. be in the courtroom. Come on. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know why that's all. That's right. my rough. But, like, seriously, it's like, oh, get the women and children out. Like, Absolutely. The one time I'd take that women and children um, excuse is on the Titanic. Like, get them I'll on the ships. I'll take the I'm a woman. Ship. Get me out. <laughs> away. Yeah. Like, but other than that, it was just constantly the, like, oh, you know, she's going to faint. Sex. Yeah. Like, she's not going to be able to handle that. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, I was reading somewhere, too, that it was it was certain stuff. Like, they assumed that it was the over-civilization of women who actually wanted to get an education, wanted to go out and do things, wanted to ride horses, not side saddle and all this stuff. Like, Which, meanwhile, it sounds like a bitch. I mean, yeah. how about because it's easier to ride a horse when your legs are uh, Yeah, how about I don't break my back because I ride <laughs> with my legs on each side. Unlike like, Sally Saddle <laughs> slammer over there from the advertising. Uh, like, seriously, like, common sense is if we're going to ride a horse – you have to use your legs also to like giddy up them on the side. I don't even know what it's like with the giddy stirrups up. and a, also to not have a penis. It makes it even easier. Yeah, for a 
I, that's that's because men are dumb. Oh, <laughs> like sure. literally. I still to this day, I mean, I feel like I have like a solid grip on the male anatomy, but I to this day have no clue how men ride a bike. Well, I was just gonna say that. Why is Soul Cycle so popular among women? Right. Hmm. Probably because their vaginas. I. But that's what I'm saying. Like I cannot imagine being a man and having my balls. Where at, do your balls go? How do you do that? DM us and tell us. Yeah, please. I don't know how they ride horses. I don't know how they ride bikes. Ooh, horses is even scarier. Right. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, my Ooh. God, all the way down. Hopefully. Swear to God. Trotter here doesn't. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, it doesn't become old yeller. Off <laughs> <laughs> to the glue factory. Oh, God, <laughs> sniffing glue to death. So I guess in recent years, um, you know, there's almost been like a reclaiming of the term hysteria by feminists. Um, and it's kind of been used in the 80s especially as a symbol of female oppression because feminists, you know, sort of believe that hysteria was um, almost like its own form of rebellion that women were using uh, before feminism was actually born to fight against the different gender roles placed on women. So they were sort of like going Gaslighting in their own in a way. way. Yeah, exactly. Um, and today, I mean, psychology just sort of, recognizes a lot of different disorders that right. used to be called hysteria, um, especially dissociative disorders and somatoform disorders, a.k.a. Um, just, like, confusion as to your memory and identity and, um, you know. All sorts of depression. Yeah. And... Oh, my gosh. And stuff that just doesn't necessarily have a physical cause. Um, all right. So that takes us to the end of this episode. If you want to find us and learn more about any of our topics, or if you'd like to suggest a famous female in history that you'd like to learn more about, or a topic that is female related, um, please feel free to contact us. You can find us at Betsy Boss Podcast on Instagram. On Facebook, we are Betsy Boss Podcast. On Twitter, we are at Betsy Boss Pod, and our website is BetsyBossPodcast.com. And again, just as a reminder, Betsy does not have a second E in it before the Y. Um, B-E-T-S-Y is the spelling. <laughs>